This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's a Sunday kind of love. I'm Maya Tan. Hello. Today we continue with part two of our curated readings from the Project Watermelon Workshop, featuring the work of well known playwright Eve Ensler and starring more luminaries from the KL performing arts scene under the direction of Susan Lancaster. Last week we had Sue Tan and Samantha Schubert. If you've missed last week's show, you can catch up with the podcast on www.bfm.my. Uh, this week, though, we have Don Cheong, Carmen Sue, and Joanna Bessie. I had a chat with Joanna Bessie fresh off the stage of Love Journey, A Nation of Two, which she co-wrote with Na'amurad and which she also directed with a star-studded cast. And we spoke about her thoughts on how the Vagina Monologues created a platform for a lot of taboo subjects, not necessarily just related to women, to be out in the open and discussed. So Joanna, as an actor, a writer and also a director yourself, what are your thoughts on the Vagina Monologues? I found the whole project um, rather empowering, actually, as a as a woman, and also about having a voice that I feel is often neglected or unheard. And I feel that as um, an arts practitioner, it's a really great way to sort of, in an in-your-face way, kind of break down a lot of um, barriers, you know, and talk about something that is considered usually taboo or embarrassing or something that we would never discuss. I think it's a great way to sort of really bring forward the issue of um, women and their rights and to celebrate their differences and and to celebrate what it is to be a woman, you know, rather than trying to act. I find a lot of people practice feminism by trying to act like men, which I completely disagree with. So rather than trying to be like what you're not, why not celebrate what we are and have that be empowering, have an equal footing just as celebrated as men are, you know, and that we're never going to be the same and we have our own strengths. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Vagina Monologues really celebrates that. Well, you performed quite a number of pieces in the entire uh, Project Watermelon workshop. Um, which ones really resonated with you or which ones sort of, you know, got you in the gut? I think pieces like, um, you know, even the piece that I had to do, but even pieces like uh, My Vagina Was My Village, um, those kind of pieces really have always resonated with me because they are, they tackle a very hard to hear kind of subject, uh, such as rape during warfare and, and things like that. But because it's done in this poetic way, it makes it easier to identify and to be compassionate and to, it's inspiring to like sort of feel the need to do something about it rather than just sitting back and thinking, oh, it's got nothing to do with me, you know. Or sort of having a very big rah-rah sort of activist movement. I think this is a way for us to broach the subject without closing people's ears. Yeah, absolutely. And what about the pieces that you performed? Which ones were particularly difficult for you emotionally? Um, I think, th- I mean, the other piece I performed, Kuchis Not Chowon, I think. So it's the voice of, you know, a young person who has grown up um, being abused, being sexually abused uh, at many different points in her life. And um, the sort of journey she goes through and how she comes to really kind of reconcile that. Um, so I think that story is also was very challenging to play. But... Um, 
extremely touching as well. And again, broaches a subject, you know, child sexual child abuse from the point of view of the actual victim, not an easy subject to kind of be able to talk about or um, relate to an audience who may have had no such experience like it ever. Um, I think the whole vagina monologues process is done in a very interesting, I think the method, the, the way it's, um, it has its voice is a really interesting one. As most of you know, Eve Ensler interviewed hundreds of women who told her their personal stories. And so the vagina monologues was essentially made up of pieces and monologues with her own thoughts and also some sketches featuring the stories of these women. In the Project Watermelon workshop, Joanna performed one of the Eve monologues. I'm not sure why I was chosen. I didn't, for example, have girlhood fantasies about becoming Vagina Lady, which I'm often called, sometimes loudly, across a crowded shoe store. I could not have imagined that I would one day be talking about vaginas on talk shows in places like Athens, Greece, chanting the word vagina with 4,000 wild women in Baltimore, or having 32 public orgasms a night. These things were not in my plans. In this sense, I don't think I had much to do with the vagina monologues. It possessed me. I see now that I was a prime candidate. I was a playwright. I had for years written plays based on interviews with people. I was a feminist. I had been violated sexually and physically by my father. I had exhibitionist tendencies. I had been known to outrage and I longed with all of my being to find a way back into my vagina. I don't really remember how it began. A conversation with an older woman about her vagina, her saying contemptuous things about her genitals, that shocked me and got me thinking about what other women thought about their vaginas. I remember asking friends who surprised me with their openness and willingness to talk. There was this one friend in particular who told me that if her vagina got dressed, it would wear a beret. She was going through a French phase. The greatest miracle, of course, is V-Day. An energy, a movement, a catalyst a day to end violence toward women, born out of the vagina monologues. As I traveled with the piece, city after city, country after country, hundreds of women waited after the show to talk to me about their lives. The play had somehow freed up their memories, pain and desire. Night after night, I heard the same stories women being raped as teenagers, in college, as little girls, as elderly women, women who had finally escaped being beaten to death by their husbands, women who were terrified to leave, women who were taken sexually before they were even conscious of sex, by their stepfathers, brothers, cousins, uncles, mothers and fathers. I began to feel insane, as if a door had opened up to some underworld and I was being told things I was not supposed to know. Knowing these things was dangerous. Slowly it dawned on me 
that nothing was more important than stopping violence towards women. That the desecration of women indicated the failure of human beings to honor and protect life. And that this failing would, if we did not correct it, be the end of us all. I do not think I am being extreme. When you rape, beat, maim, mutilate, burn, bury and terrorize women, you destroy the essential life energy on the planet. You force what is meant to be open, trusting, nurturing, creative and alive to be bent, infertile and broken. The miracle of V-Day, like the vagina monologues, is that it happened because it had to happen. A call, perhaps. An unconscious mandate, perhaps. In order for the human race to continue, women must be safe and empowered. It's an obvious idea, but like a vagina, it needs great attention and love in order to be revealed. We've got another exciting performance by Don Cheong and Carmen Sue coming up. A story about two little old ladies, essentially of the same body, but not of the same mind, with a unique female condition which they refer to as the flood. And that's right after this on A Sunday Kind of Love, BFM 89.9. It's a Sunday Kind of Love. I'm Maya Tan. We're on part two of our Project Watermelon performances. We've had performed readings by Sue Tan, Samantha Schubert, and heard from the curator and director of Project Watermelon, Susan Lancaster. We've also had Joanna Bessie perform. And if you've missed any part of last week or this week's show, you can download the podcast on www.bfm.my. And now, as promised, the story of two little old ladies with the unique female condition, which they call the flood. Susan Lancaster tells us a little bit about this piece. So um, the next piece that I've curated for this particular Sunday morning show is uh, called The Flood. And um, Dawn Cheong and Carmen Su have very kindly uh, read this piece. Uh, the reason why I chose them is because, like I said initially, it was supposed to be a monologue, but I decided to push the boundaries a bit more and, and have two sisters or twins um, speak the lines and turn it into more of a reflective piece, um, which they have done beautifully. The piece, though, they, they play two old ladies, yes. but you've chosen quite youthful women. Yes, uh, it was a challenge to them. But at the same time, if you happen to attend the workshop uh, with wigs and makeup and everything, they um, they pulled it off very well, actually. I'm and sure they did. Yes, and I think if you hear the voice direction and etc., you'll uh, you'll be able to understand... Uh, the aging that they go through and then when they do their their uh, reminiscing things happen as well mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, the use of fans in the uh, workshop in the piece in, yes. the, in the workshop um, that is because a they were um, Chinese um, in Chongsams and those days we didn't have ACs or whatever right so we obviously took it to Asia uh, probably the swinging, what do you call them, the swinging 20s or whatever, roaring 20s that time. So fans were very much the thing that one would use to cool oneself down. But at the same time, it's in this particular piece, it was also used to interrupt or accentuate particular 
um, actions or pieces. And now, Carmen Su and Don Cheong in a piece called Flood. Down there. <laughs> I haven't been down there since. No, no, it had nothing to do with politics, no. It's a cellar down there. You don't want to go down there. Trust me, you'd get sick, suffocating, very nauseating. The smell of the clamminess and the mildew and everything. Whew. Smells unbearable. Gets into your clothes. No, there was no accident down there. Didn't blow up or catch on fire or anything. It wasn't so dramatic. I mean, well, never mind. No, never mind. What's a nice girl like you going around asking old ladies about their down there's for, hmm? We didn't do this kind of thing when I was a girl. What? Jesus. Okay. There was this boy, Kai. He was cute and tall like me, and I really liked him. He asked me out for a date in his car, and I was I can't do this. I can't talk about this. Talk about down there. You just know it's there, like the cellar. There's rumbles down there sometimes. You can hear the pipes and things get caught there. Little animals and things and it gets wet and sometimes people have to come and plug up the leaks. Otherwise, the door stays closed. Well, you forget about it. I mean, it's part of the house. You don't see it or think about it, but it has to be there though because every house needs a cellar. Otherwise, the bedroom will be in the basement. Oh, Kai. Kai Baron. <laughs> right. Kai was very good looking. He was a catch. <laughs> That's what they call it in my day. We were in his car. I remember thinking that my legs were too long for the seat. I have long legs. They were bumping up against the dashboard. I was looking at my big kneecaps when he just kissed me in this surprisingly uh, take-me-by-control-like-they-do-in-the-movies kind of way, and I got excited. So excited and, well, there was a flood down there. I, I couldn't control it. It was like this force of passion, this river of life just flooded right out of me, right through my panties and right onto the car seat of his new white car. It wasn't pee and it was... It was... It was... Uh, smelly. <laughs> well, frankly, I didn't really smell anything at all. But he said... Kai said that, that it smelled like sour milk and it was staining his car seat. I was... A stinky weird girl. He said... I tried to explain that his kiss had caught me off guard, that I wasn't normally like this. I tried to wipe the flood up with my dress. It was a new yellow primrose dress, and it looked so ugly with the flood on it. Kai drove me home, and he never, never said another word. When I got out of his car and closed the car door, I closed the whole store. Locked it, never opened up for business again. 
Well, I dated some after that, but the idea of flooding made me too nervous that I never even got close again. Oh, I used to have dreams. Crazy dreams. Oh, they were dopey. Why? Bird Reynolds. I don't know why. Never did much for me in my life, but in my dreams, it was always Bert and I. Bert and I. Bert and I. We'd be out. Bert and I. It was always some restaurant, the kinds you see in Hollywood, all big, with chandeliers and things, and thousands of waiters with vests on. Bert would give me this orchid corsage. I'd pin it on my dress. We'd laugh. We were always laughing, Bert and I. Eat shrimp cocktails, huge shrimp, fabulous shrimp. We were very happy together. <gasps> then he would look me in the eye and pull me to him in the middle of the restaurant. And just as he was about to kiss me, the room would start to shake. Pigeons would fly out from under the table. Oh, I don't know what those pigeons were doing there, but the flood would come straight from down there. It would pour and pour. It would pour and pour. And there would be fish inside it and little boats. And Bert would be standing knee deep in my flood, looking horribly disappointed in me that I'd done it again. Horrified as he watched his friends, Dean Martin and the like, swim past us in our tuxedos and evening gowns. Well, I don't have those dreams anymore. Not since they took away just about everything connected with down there. Took out the uterus. The tubes. The whole works. The doctor thought he was being funny. He told me. Well, if you don't use it, you lose it. But really, I found out it was cancer. Everything around it had to go. Ah, who needs it anyway, huh? Right? Highly overrated. I do other things. I go to dog shows. I sell antiques. What, what would it wear? <laughs> what kind of question is that? What would it wear? Would wear a big sign. Close dear to flooding. What would it say? It's not like that. It's not like a person who speaks. It stopped being a thing that talked a long time ago. It's a place, a place you don't go. It's closed up under the house. It's down there. You happy now you made me talk? You got an old lady to talk about her down there. You feel better now? Actually, you're the first person I ever talked to about this, and I feel a little better. That was by far one of my favorite pieces ever from Project Watermelon. Now, there were a lot of wonderful pieces in Project Watermelon which touched me in different ways, but this is by far one of my favourite pieces, not just because of the story and the images that the piece evokes, but also having seen the movement, timing and artistry of Don Cheong and Carmen Su. Well done, that piece was called Flood. And now we come to the end of A Sunday Kind of Love, part two of our series dedicated to Project Watermelon, featuring the work of Eve Ensler and starring Sutan, Samantha Schubert, 
Don Chong, Carmen Sue, Joanna Bessie. Big thanks to all of you as well as Susan Lancaster, curator and director. A Sunday Kind of Love continues next week. I'm Maya Tan on BFM 89.9. Before we go, I'm going to leave you with Alicia Keys, Superwoman. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.